Guys, you know what I've really been loving and more so what I've not been loving? It's my big bulky blender. The thing is a pain in the butt to get out, find a cord, get all the components ready to go, and I hardly ever end up using it. But I've really been loving the BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes things so easy and convenient. Because it's BlendJet 2 is portable, I can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. You know what? I have been using it for smoothies daily, and it's small enough to fit in your cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. I have one too. And the BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Well, that's great because I love a good charger, but best of all, the BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and we're good to go. What more can you want? Well, I can tell you what more you can want. You can pick all these beautiful, fun colors. I had a really hard time trying to pick mine and I almost went with the leopard, but I ended up with the beautiful lavender, which is so perfect for spring. It's like an accessory. I went with Hawk Pink myself, but what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use the promo code BTMM12, made me 12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use your code BTMM12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Hi, guys. Welcome back to (laughs) Jesus Off the Rails. I had to. I, had I don't know to. if you just hear. We just we started. I don't know if this is staying in or not, but we started right before Hilda always presses the button to record. For some reason, she goes, "Okay, I'm pressing the button." And today, we're like, "Press the button!" Like just press creepy. The button. Repeating press it back button. and forth. Press the. <laughs> oh my gosh! And five, four. We're gonna restart. Three. No, two. we have to leave this in. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about all the spicy, not spicy, any book in between book from Book Talk or Bookstagram because we don't know what's happening with TikTok yet, do we? Did, I feel like that's died down it a little bit. It? Yeah, people kind of just stop talking about it. Okay, well, you know, we just live in denial, right? Like we just that ostrich, too. stick that your head too. in the sand and then it doesn't matter. Anywho, we're your gals to talk about all the books from Book Talk as it lives and breathes today. And we're back. Boy, are we back with book three in the Court of Thorns and Roses series, Akatar, for those in the know. And today we're covering book three, which is A Court of Wings and Ruin. Akawar. Akawar. Aka something. Aka, excuse me? <laughs> That's what I feel like. <laughs> We're already off the rails. It's great. I love it. You know, this is going to be a good episode. What's everybody drinking? Oh, yes. Let's get into that. I have a fancy new glass, courtesy of these gals here, for my birthday. Um, And I have a, what my husband called it, the the bee's knees. I feel like you got to say it like, the bee's knees. See? (laughs) You got to say it like that. (laughs) It's like a, it's honey, simple syrup, and gin, and lemon. It's pretty good. It's giving me hotty toddy vibes. Not going to lie. 
Mm-hmm. Hottie toddies, I'm not going to lie, are gross. We, we When John is sick, like, we go through them here. Like, like hot he's toddies? Like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to make a hottie toddy. You want one? I'm like, ah, sure. <laughs> like how you're calling it a hottie toddy. Like a drink on spring break. The hottie toddy. <laughs> it is when you have kids and you're always sick. <laughs> I'm sticking to the classic grapefruit high noon. Ooh. There we go. Vodka or so tequila? Vodka. We're all over the board today in terms of drink recommendations for this episode. I've got the bee's knees, see? I've just got a good old cab. <laughs> good old cab. Cabs for Cass? Can we make that happen? Cabs for Cassian? Oh. Okay. I don't know. As we did for the last two episodes, we're going to really focus down on, in this case, four major plot points that happened within the book. And we're going to say talk sections. About sections, right. Sections Multiple of the book. plot points within the Correct. You're, you're right. It's the hottie toddy. It's the bee's knees <laughs> coming to get me right now. Right. So four main sections of the book that we're going to condense down and talk about each section individually. So we'll still kick it off with our good, you know, five-minute recap, I say in air quotes, because we start recapping and we just keep reliving. So I'm going to try to keep it condensed, really condensed, and then we will – We'll go into each section and give you all our thoughts and feelings. And probably we'll get into some heated debates about our boy, Tam Tam. We'll see. Is he our boy? Mm-mm. Not our boy. He not our fae. Boy. Not our high lord. Uh-uh. Not today. What is well, the equivalent of a frenemy, but that's not your friend? You just fuck him. Huh. It's like a, a friend we hate a fuck me with Ben. A- I was about to say a fuck of me too. So that is it. <laughs> a fuck of me it is. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. Put that on a sticker. <laughs> Someone will be getting that in sticker form when we have our 50th anniversary. So you know what? Episode party. <laughs> we have read so many enemies to lovers book. And this truly just became the lovers to enemies book. Like they were lovers and now they're enemies. You know, that's a very good point. She so quick- actually, no, they started off enemies, became lovers, now they're enemies. So they did a reverse, 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 reverse. There it is. There it is. All right. So quick thoughts. What did you guys think about this book? This was a long book. A lot happens. I feel like we say that every single every time episode, we read one no of our books. What book we read? I really liked it. I wish that someone important had died. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You know, hang on to that nugget because I want to talk about when we get to that section. The section. Okay. The Great oh, War. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I do not feel that same way, so I will be here to fight you on it. Hold on. Let me just write this you down. You can be frenemies about it, but not fucking me. <laughs> no, no, ma'am. <laughs> How many times can we use the word fucking me in this episode? Every single time you hear it, take a shot. You will be wasted by the end of this episode. Um, I want to say I love each book for a different reason. The second book, obviously, I loved it because of the story unfolding. But I truly love the action and the war planning in this book, which was something I was very surprised about because I never thought I'd be able to be engaged in a book like that and really, you know, enjoy every second of it. Sarah J. Mass kills it every single time where you feel like you're on the battlefield. She does a good job of separating between the planning and the actual action on the fields. It's just it was just Good. No one writes a battle scene, and I stand by this. No one writes a battle scene like SJM. Mm-hmm. Because you think of the battle scenes in Kingdom of Ash, where you're just like, oof. That one was, I was on the edge of my seat the entire book. It's always a good combination of building the scenery. Wait, is it Kingdom of Ash? It's the last one. The last yeah. one. Empire. King- no, yeah. No, Kingdom of Ash, yeah. Okay. 
You know I don't know names. Titles. Yeah, it's the, last the last one. one. She does a really good job of building the scenery while also keeping a good dialogue in between. So you're not getting bored with just like fact and fact and fact about And keeping the tension the as like the yeah. stakes keep getting higher each time leading up to to the war. And you know, you know, everyone knows we're not walking out of here altogether. Also, let's talk about that when that happens, like his little speech before things start hitting the fan. I was like, this feels like farewell. <sighs> I forgot how much I liked this book. I did too. And for some reason, book two and this one sort of meld together. I think it's because I tore through them and read them back to back during the pandemic. We're in lockdown. I had like no friends to hang out with. So like these were my friends. <laughs> these were my people. The inner circle. They were my inner circle because I had no inner circle. <laughs> to the dreamers. Oh, and the stars that listen. We're all, all right. a dreamer at heart, aren't we? Are we? Aren't we all? Just like oh, our boy, the cereal. The cereal. That hurt. That fucking hurt. Pour that one out bitch. for the cereal. I, hot take, I don't agree with the way that Iante died or Iante or whatever the hell we're calling her. I think she deserved a worse set. I mean, all right, hold I, on to that nugget. Hold on to that nugget when we get there because I okay. got thoughts on that. Well, I don't disagree. All right, so Hilda, any last thoughts? Um, No. Okay, that's fine. I just want to make sure I got to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. I was trying to think if I could use the word fuck me one more time. and We'll get there. The episode, is, we are fresh. We're fresh. What are your thoughts? Real quick. Go, go, go. I also really enjoyed this book. I enjoyed it for – the healing that happened in it. I enjoyed it for the stakes that were raised immensely. So like you had Feyre and Reese together as like a solid couple coming. A solid a unit, yeah. Yeah, a unit. You know what I mean? That's the healing that we came from there. I loved, lived for Feyre's villain era. I thought it was great in the spring court. And I liked to see what I really enjoyed also is all the little nuggets we're starting to get of the inner circle. Like the the rings of the circle are getting bigger and we're starting to learn more about each person. I really like the battle scenes. Like, man, I was good. I'm laughing. I'm crying. Someone's ship is riding in and I'm like, <gasps> he came. Like, it's just, it's just SJM. She writes these scenes that you're like, all is lost. And then one thing happens, you're like, we make it. We made it through. And then she pulls like a Houdini act at the end and you're like. Uh-huh. 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 All right. So let me do my best to walk us through a very brief recap. Again, I'm sure at this point y'all know this book. So we're just going to try to refresh your memory as we go through it. Hold on while I pause to rehydrate. When we first arrive back in this book, Feyre is back at Spring Court. She has gone off with Tamlin and seemingly have has broken free of the curse that Reese put upon her. Obviously, we know, we come to know that this is fake. She pretended to, to break the curse and used her newly found abilities to make it seem like it was this big magical revealing when really it wasn't anything too big. So she uses her powers to make this big ball of light so it's a very dramatic and they're screaming ah, i've lost my powers anyway so they break the curse she's back at spring court with tamlin and what i can only be described as tara like i said Feyre's villain era so this is where she's doing her best to undermine everything that has happened in spring court she's like fuck these people fuck tamlin well not fuck the people she really liked them but like i'm turning the people on tamlin and screw this man 
And I feel like there's a fair amount of doubt from Tamlin and Lucian's part when she comes back where they're kind of holding her in arm's length. Um, so I feel like it's mostly from Lucian. Like he's not 100% yeah. believing her, but Tamlin's just like, I got my girl back. We're heading in the right direction. So he's trying to coddle mm-hmm. her a little bit and agree to things that she's saying because he doesn't want to make the same mistakes, I feel like. So she's using that to her advantage to bring down. And she does. She them. cozies back on up to Ianthe, the priestess who we all hate, and does her best to get be seen in the most positive light for coming back for her people. So whether it be, you know, messing with a special stone that Ianthe was supposed to step on so she, the sun could come up behind her and she looks blessed or saving a king's guard from being whipped a couple times. She's really trying to win over the hearts of the people. Um, and undermine Tamlin. And undermine mm-hmm. Tamlin by doing so. And while they're there, we get a special visit from Jurian who brings over the disgusting twin set of uh, we're not going to talk about their names yet. I'm gonna Dagden th- and Brana, I guess. Brana. Yeah, sure. Honestly, I forgot they had names. In my head, they were just like the weirdo twins. <laughs> weirdo twins. There's clearly some weird, weird twin cest. Something is happening there. And they're all, again, a bit skeptical of Feyre having come back from Reese and what she came back with in terms of powers and having been through everything she went through and being remade. Feyre does her epic takedown. She slaughters the twins. She breaks Ianthe's hand and she's out. She runs off um, and makes a run for it with Lucian because she realized there's a friendship there and she can't leave him there to pick up the pieces. Well, so they run off. No? And Lucian also wanted to go join Elaine, who is his mate. Correct. That's right. So she – Feyre takes Lucian because she can't – she knows there's a connection with Elaine and he's desperate to get back to her. And she knows that Lucian won't rat her out as long as she's got Elaine kind of in her back pocket. Um, so journey across they do. During their journeys back because they have to go on foot to to go back because they were poisoned by the weirdo twins. So they don't have access to their full power. So as they're trekking across Perinthia, um, they come across Lucian's brothers from Autumn Court. And as you remember, these are some real righto bastards. Like they're just assholes. <laughs> And as straight they're running, assholes. <laughs> straight assholes. And as they're making their great big escape showdown, they're trying to get across the border um, from Autumn into Winter Court. And uh, this is when there's a big heiress breakdown, not breakdown, an heiress battle. Take down. Yeah, take down. Take down. There we go. Heiress take down. And Cassian comes flying in, siphons flaring, With slams down on that ice. And you're like, what? That's you. I'll see you, big That's pretty damn sexy. So, and Cassian beats the shit out of Eris, which you know, you know, felt good in his soul when he did that. He's like, mm-hmm. "There's more from that where that came from, Bucko." So, they go back. Everyone is back. We're reunited with the inner circle and all of our friends in the spring court. I'm sorry, reunited with all of our friends in the winter court in Valaris. Now. Night Court. Oh my God. Night Court, not Winter <laughs> Court. You're right. Reunited with all our friends in Night Court. If you keep saying it, will eventually get it. <laughs> yeah, eventually. We'll get there. I thought she was about to say Summer Court after that. I'll, I'm just going to run through them. Day, dawn. Have we hit those yet? You're going to hit the one that doesn't exist. What is it? Dusk? Dusk. Dusk. <laughs> so 
they once they're back in Valaris, they make the inner they meet the inner circle. We're back, we're happy, but there's two new friends that Feyre has to go greet, and those are her sisters. Now they've been freshly made from the cauldron. She hasn't really seen them since she was doing her spy work back in Summer Court. And the sisters, I would say, are shells of themselves. Nesta is still a right old bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine is a wallflower. Like Elaine a shell depressed. of herself. She's, She's depressed, depressed out of her mind. Almost to the point of being like catatonic. Yes, exactly. She's catatonic. She's depressed. She's out of it. And Nesta is just pissed about the whole thing. And she's yeah. really worried about Elaine. And because Elaine is still hung up that she was supposed to be married like in a few days to her Faye hating fiance. So clearly with Elaine being Faye. Right. So as I had said before, we got Mopey Elaine, Bitchy Nesta, and we got Lunar Lucian. Loner, Loner Lucian that are hanging out with the new <laughs> the new kids on the block. You in say Loner Mars. Lucian. I think some people might call him Loser Lucian. Oh. Lunar Lunar Lucian. I like Loner. Loner. He's a, he's alone. He's got no one. Poor Lucian. So while they're back, word gets to them of an attack of Highburn on Summer Court. Now remember, Summer Court about happened in book two, and there's got blood rubies out for them. So them just jumping in to help Summer Court, there's a little bit of pause to consider what's the ramifications of us just going over there. Ultimately, they decide to run over there and help save the city and defend against Highburn. And they do learn a little bit more of Highburn's tricks, but Summer Court is badly, pretty well, in a bad shape. Before that, there was the attack in the library, which is possibly why they got caught off guard. Oh, I thought it was after. No, it was before. Before. All right. So before the summer court attack, reverse, reverse. Feyre and Elaine are down in the special library. Feyre and Nesta are down in the special library when they are attacked by two ravens, like a dark raven and a white raven that's been sent by Highburn to capture the sisters. And they barely make it out with help from a special guest, a little shadowy guest down in the pits of the library, which we'll get into. Also known as Braxius. Briaxis. Briaxis. Okay, there we go. And so after that attack, they are thrown off. They're already thinking we've got to get a handle on this. And right before they can sort of figure out what their high council meeting is going to be, there's the attack on Summer Court, which again, we just spoke to and ultimately wins Kind of changes the hearts and mind of anyone who's a holdout to be like, yes, hybrid is a problem and we need to figure out how we're going to fucking deal with this. So the whole gang, all the courts, grab the people, grab the courts. We're meeting together and we're figuring out where our alliances land because we got to make a stand and we're running out of time. So they meet. Where do they meet? Is it day? Day court? Dawn. Dawn. Thesen's court. Yeah, because Helium's day, right? Thesen's court, wherever that may be. I thought it was day. Wait, is Helium Dawn or day? Helian's we shall fact check it for day. you, but they do meet in one of the courts. Yes, they do meet in one of the courts, and they have their how co- their council meeting. And it's interesting. I mean, we'll get into it when that happens, but you do meet all the other characters from the other courts. So it's interesting to see the history there. And, of course, tensions are really high when Tammy Tam fuckboy shows up. And <laughs> the fuck of me. The, the fuck of me shows up. So it, after the High Council Court, everyone's pretty it's agreed. It's a Dawn Court. Dawn. Okay. Yeah, you're right, Hilda. Okay. Thesen, Dawn, Helion. Day. Day. I'm really struggling through this one. Sorry, guys. It's okay. So after 
pretty much after those things happen, the group agrees we have to go to war. Highburn's gathering an army. They know where – I think what Cassian imparts to them is like you have to know where to pick your battlefields and we got to go to them before they have to come to us. So immediately after the High Lord meeting, they decide to stick around in Dawn Court. And the next day, they're going to start working through like where are we gathering the armies and who's bringing who and how many people we have. And Highburn takes down the wall the next morning. That's right, the wall. Mm-hmm. And immediately everyone's like, oh shit, it's happening now. So everyone separates, they go grab their armies and they plan to meet back up. And so this is where the kind of war starts happening. So we have our first battle and then it's followed by a second battle and they're just going after it back and back. And then Feyre has a, a few tricks up her sleeve as well as Reese. Feyre goes into the middle. She runs into the cereal. She captures the cereal for information, ends up running into Iante. That bitch goes down thanks to the weaver. And, you know, the entire squad just rolls up and they go into the final battle and things start getting grim. Elaine got kidnapped by Highburn. Elaine gets oh, kidnapped I, by Highburn. I always forget about her. Always. Because we also have a plot where they – well, the, one of the main plot points is they have to go get the cauldron. And because Elaine is made, Highburn knows well, that – it's because – so Nesta – throughout the book, stole, there's the entire theme right. that Nesta stole something from the cauldron. And so they convinced Nesta to use The bones. scurrying bones to find out where the cauldron is and where is Highburn making camp. Exactly. So then Nesta goes into that trance. She sees them, but the cauldron also sees her. So Hybern figures out where they are, and he comes to Elaine in a dream, pretending to be Grayson, her ex-fiance, and he kidnaps her. In this book is when the theme, I feel like, like calls to like. Is really into play. A lot. And just Nesta has that special connection to the cauldron. And they stole Elaine knowing that it would specifically piss off Nesta and then it's like a trap to lure her over. Mm-hmm. So right. the war so the- is oh, raging on various allies come to play. We've got the weaver, we've got the bone carver, we've got Briaxis loose on the field. And then as things are getting very grim, we are ha- joined by Miriam and Dracoon. Dragon? Draken? Draken. Draken. I've always Dracoon. called him Dracoon. Because <laughs> I'm like, what a weird name for this man. <laughs> oh, my God. What oh, is Prince Dra- Draken. Prince Draken. Draken? But there is a G. No. It's not G. D-R-A. Dracoon. It's just D-R-A-K-O-N. There's no double K. There's no double O. Well, you know. That would give you that. The heart wants what the heart wants when it renames this man. <laughs> it's more like the bee's knees. <laughs> the bee's knees. Wants what the bee's knees wants. That's what the bee's knees wants. So we're joined by Draken and Miriam, who have mm-hmm. sailed over with none other. Now, this part made me ball my eyes out. The Acheron sisters. And father. the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. <laughs> Basically, with the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. The Elaine, the Nesta, and the Pharaoh <laughs> sailing on over to help turn the tides. Now, during Lucian this whole skirmish, yeah, had Lucian also had gone, gone out to find the Firebird Six Vasa. Queen. Um, and so she's coming with the human armies. We also find out that Jurian is not working for Highburn, but trying to work against Highburn. And Jurian also rallies the humans to come to the battle. And also, they got the Autumn Court to commit. So they also showed up at the end with Eris, forcing Baron 
to come over and fight. Mm -hmm. Now what? All of these little rangers are all coming in to help solve the fight. We got the humans. We got Dracoon in the gang. Draken is the gang. (laughs) Draken. Draken in the gang. We've got the humans. We've got the Nina Pinta Santa Maria. (laughs) They're all there. Feyre and Amarin are sneaking off to go launch an attack on the cauldron. And now when they get there... This almost feels like a bit of a betrayal, but basically Amran tricks Feyre into releasing Amran from her fey body that she's been released in, and in doing so, straight up unleashes hell on the battlefield and basically annihilates everyone. And in the process, sort of she loses that godlike powers that she had, but she's able to come back as a high fey. Now, during that process, I skipped a little ahead of it because we find out what happens with Amran. While the Amran Feyre cauldron showdown is happening, we've got the king of Hybern who's gone over to Nesta. He sees where she is. He taunts her and Cassian in a battle. Cassian's not in a good way. He says that beautiful moment like, if I only had more time with you. And then she shields him with her body and they think it's over. And then here comes Elaine, catatonic for most of the book. Wait, wait, wait. But before that. Oh, Highburn had grabbed their father and was using him as a yes. human shield. And then the motherfucker just breaks his neck. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Pour one out for Daddy Artron. Yep. I didn't uh, know he know his name. Just Daddy. The, the, mer- the merchant. He was the, the prince, prince of, the the prince of, of merchants. merchants. Like, what a title to just give yourself. He told us his name was the Prince of Merchants. Like, that's what he went around telling people. There's Can no I do that to myself? Bigger, there's no one with a bigger eagle than a fragile man yeah True. anyway <laughs> so yes daddy archer is there he gets his neck snapped it's looking grim for cassian and nesta who are there and witnesses how it all go down and as they are cowering together i wouldn't say cowering well you know like they're not they're, snuggled felt weird it felt weird to say snuggled together they're, before they're holding dead. each other because okay, they know they're go. gonna die because they don't holding cower. each other Embracing each other as there death arrives for them. Here comes Poetic. Elaine again with truth teller. With truth that she teller. got from Azrael. <laughs> yes, with truth teller she got from Azrael and straight up decapitates him. Well, or cuts no, his she neck stabs stabs badly. Him. She yeah. stabs him, and then Nesta goes and finishes and decapitates. decapitation. Yes, I had just had to reflect and say, "Gee, I wonder why we can never do recaps in five minutes." <laughs> never. Again, I told you we go too much in the and I You have had- the Greek the Greek chorus over here <laughs> chiming in. I mean the peanut gallery. I'm trying to skip ahead. Keep it moving, baby. Keep it moving. You guys are you like the the guys from uh the Muppets? So, was it Waldorf and Waldorf? Astoria? No. <laughs> I don't know the other Waldorf one is. Story. Like the two old guys on the Muppets. Oops. That's not what happened. <laughs> Um, yes. So Elaine shanks his ass. Nessa decapitates his ass. (laughs) And Highburn is no more. So while that is happening, we have the war still raging. The war is losing. Back on the cauldron side with Feyre and Amarin. Uh, The cauldron has broke. I think it broke once when we released Amarin. Yeah. And she vanishes off. And... Well, she vanishes – like, she flies over the battlefield and literally kills all of the enemies. But, like, she, like, use up, uses up all of her energy. Her energy. She, like, so then she the bat- she ends the battle and then she, like, disappears into the water and she dies. Yes. Flies off to the water. Cam- not Cameron. Feyre's, you know, 
holding together the cauldron because the cauldron is broken and it's seeping out and she realizes that world is going to end if she doesn't fix this. Homeboy Reese right. comes what up. What I can only like, imagine oh, is like you. the Roger Rab- who friend Roger Rabbit like goo is seeping into the world to just like ruin everyone and she's like, oh shit, we got to fix this. So Reese is like, you can fix this. I'm going to funnel my power towards you. You got this. So as she's doing all of this, she – inadvertently not knowing this and the whole time he's like i love you you're doing great i love you reese is funneling all of his super strong high lord mightiest man in all the land power through her to fuse the cauldron and in doing so gives ends up giving his life all of his life force to this and it was real sad because you're just like what what Reading this. But lo and behold, dear, dear listener, we all know what happens. Feyre rallies the kings. They all end up dropping at the High Lord. Sorry. (laughs) Rallies the High Lords. This is why I need to have my my Muppet uncles to correct me. (laughs) Rallies the High Lords. They end up doing the Feyre, which is the move I call, where we just drop a kernel of power into each. They drop their little, like a drop of power. Back into Reese, which ends up pulling him, him, pulling him out of death's hands. And in doing so, he's like, hey, I brought back a friend. And this is how we get back Amrin from the other side, who again comes back as high Fey, not as that terrible power that was. Archangel, maybe. But we don't know what she is. But she's I want to know what she is. She's terrifying. So the book ends shortly after that. There's healings and battles and everyone's trying to get back redrawing the treaty and uh you know the whole group comes together and there's just this sort of big collective sigh of relief like i can't believe we made it and i can't believe like reese you're still alive everyone's sort of just healing from the battles of trauma of war and i believe that's where we end off yep okay again why we can never do a quick old recap we cannot. Maybe because the book is literally like 700 pages long. All right. Okay. So the four sections we have divided into to get into our thoughts and feelings are Feyre's epic takedown of the Spring Court. We have the attack on Summer Court, High Council meeting with Tamlin, and the war. The We're going to leave it at that. The war. So let's get into the first section, which is Feyre's takedown of the Spring Court. Again, I said it again. I'll say it again. Villain Feyre. I liked it. I liked the plotting. I liked the scheming. This is a girl who knew her power. And this was like, is literally when I was like, absolutely 100% yes, she is an equal to Resand in every way possible. Like the scheming, the plotting, the vengeance, the I'm doing this for the people, but also like, I'm going to fucking take you down. Love it. The mental yeah. shield she has around everyone to protect everyone that she's exerting to protect her her group that she's with, so Tamlin, Lucian, Alice, I think even was protected from this with those two crazy twins, Dagon and Brana. Um, they're trying to get into sink their gross talons into everyone's mind because they are both Damati and she's Damati. And they have this weird, like, I know what you are and you know what I am. And like, so it's, it's like, I see you. You, you see, see me? me? Yeah, basically. So Pharaoh's plan is essentially to have all of Tamlin's people basically think of him as an incompetent leader and turn them against him so nobody will follow him because Tamlin has that deal with Highburn. And so Farrah's playing the part of 
thank you for saving me. I was such a weak female and I need to heal from all the terrible things they did to me in the night court. So I can't have sex with you, Tamlin, because I just can't. And she's playing off as the person that's healing while at the same time manipulating the court politics of the spring court so that Ianthe and what's his face, Tamlin, look bad. The main things that happen here is Tamlin's, oh my god, allies, i.e. Highburn, come and visit. We get the twins who show up and the whole point is that they're going to scout the wall to find out where the holes in the wall are. And how can they can expose it to make it bigger exactly. or break, you know, find a weakness. Yeah. Because Highburn wants to take over the human lands. And Jurian shows up and he's whatever there. What are your thoughts on Jurian? Um, like, I guess as a whole. I don't I don't know. He's just there. I So let me he's, I phrase this because in reading ahead, obviously we're doing Silver Flames next. There I think I forget who questions him, but someone raises the question like, what is Jurian even now? Because he's not quite human. He was alive in his eyeball for 500 five centuries, 500 years, and I was just back as like a normal human. So I'm just it made me think like, what are you exactly, Jurian? Because you're not all you're not all normal man. I think he played a very without. Well, I was gonna say without spoiling it, but we all know what happens. Um, he made a very convincing act on supporting Highburn, and I think yeah. he really fooled pretty much everyone. And when he confronted Reese and more about it. And was like, you didn't even check my head. You didn't check my mind to see which game I was playing. You just decided mm-hmm. to believe. And you knew me. You were my friend in the war. Like, we fought side by side in the first war. That cut. I was like, wow. I actually feel something for Jurian. Not like, I felt bad for him. Yeah, but he was absolutely right. He called Reese out on that. Like, you could have found out in three seconds what was going on up here. Yeah, so I think he's an interesting character. I'm interested yeah. to see how his relationship forms in the future with you know the queen and stuff like that so i want to okay. see where he's going to end up so um, we've got jurian and the the psycho twins hanging out in in summer court spring court yeah. so spring where are we spring spring <laughs> sorry so farah um wants tamlin to think that she's having like a secret affair with lucian she wants yes. everybody to kind of think that and she's trying to make ianthe look bad and anyways long story short they go on this trip to go check out the holes in the walls and that's when uh Farah decides that she's gonna leave uh, spring court and get back to the night court and her man so while that is happening there's a lot of twisted stuff that happens with the twins because they go like, on children of the blessed and eat them like this yes. is a new this is a move kill them for killing for the sake of killing them so she's gonna leave but then she runs into Ianthe basically trying to seduce Lucian. And remember, essentially, Ianthi's like a sexual predator of all of these men. And so Farah decides to punish her, and she, like, breaks her hand. Well, she makes her – she goes into her mind and makes Ianthi break her own hand with a rock. With a rock. While that is happening, the twins come across them, and they're basically like, oh, Farah, you're leaving. Hey, don't forget, we're a Daymati, too. 
Like, we know you were up to something, and we basically have been poisoning your food since we arrived, so you can't use your power. Somehow, Farah, being the badass that she is, she kills the twins, and then basically rescues Lucian. And Lucian's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you because you have my mate. Mm-hmm. So they begin their trek to get back to the night court, which means they have to cut across the autumn court. While they're in the autumn court, Lucian's brothers come across them, try to take them prisoner, but essentially they're able to escape, but they leave all of their gear behind. And so they're trekking through the winter court, which is cold because winter, they still don't have their powers back. And as they're trekking across the mountains, Lucian's pow- Lucian's brothers show up. They essentially have firepower, so they start melting the ice of this giant lake that they're on, and it's looking really bad. But then Asriel and Cashin show up. Cashin? Cass- <laughs> I always call him Cashin. What? what? I go back and forth. I go back and forth. It's a legitimate pronunciation. Pronunciation. What? So oh they God. show up. They show up. They gut Eris like the pig that he is. He doesn't die, though. And then while they're on the ice, Farah makes this declaration of like, hey, as your high lady, don't kill him. Something now, like that. I want to stop and talk about Eris a little bit because we don't know the full story yet, either in this book series or in this book. We don't know Eris' full story, and we know that there's something that both he and Moore are not discussing. And so while I think he's an asshole, my gut tells me he's a good – He's everyone's doing this like resand move where we project that we're really bad and then we're actually really good. So I feel like there's the, that same – there's that same level of conniving. Something along right. that vein. With Eris, yeah. where he's like, my brothers are here, so I have to look like an asshole and try to melt you. But we'll melt the ice, not you. <laughs> but there's some – like he shows a lot of restraint for the anger everyone else throws at him. Yeah. And so we also find out that Eris is essentially plotting against his father because he knows that his father is a bad dude. Baron's an asshole. And so he essentially wants – the night court's help to overthrow Baron so he can take his father's place. As yeah, and we also learn, I don't know if it was in this section specifically, but we also learn that Eris wasn't even there the day that Lucian's girlfriend was killed. Yeah. And he was like purposely sent away and had he been there, he would have tried to stop it. And I think he did try to stop it and was beaten or punished for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he like, was able to stop kernels. it. He contacted Tamlin to get Tamlin to like kill the other brother so they could and save Lucian. And to take Lucian in. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kernels of goodness in him. We just don't know his full motive yet, and I'm very intrigued by him. Okay. Anyway, one person I just want to get back to, too, is Iante. She – you get her snip. So right after this book concludes, Feyre is pissed. And she's like, I have to go now and pretend to be with this girl who harmed my sisters, put my mate in harm's way, harmed my family, my inner circle. And Iante's just like – Yeah, you know, I did it for – I did it because I thought I had to. I had to protect you up to the same bullshit that she's always weaving in her lies. And it makes you really, really hate her. So when Vera does this whole – Tamlin does the same shit. Oh, he is willing to forgive her quickly. Quickly, so quickly, which made me really question how smart this man is. Because I'm like – I think he's dumb. I think he's a dumb jock. Like He is. He's just thinking with his dick, you know? Yeah. Can you sing the song, please? Yeah. 
I don't remember how it's go. Pretty in the waist. She's super thick. I'm just think, thinking with my dick, you know? <laughs> my anyway. Dick. Is it my shit dumb? My shit dumb. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking with my dick. My shit dumb. That's Tamlin. But I really loved when she did this. There's supposed to be this. They, she made them all go. Anthony made them go to this like high summer solstice prayer It was the summer solstice. And I really enjoyed this level of like pettiness that she had planned. And I guess Ianthi had planned to stand and like her little priestess gang put a little pebble. Like you're going to stand here because this is when the sun's going to come behind you and you're going to look like the sun has chosen you you're as like it rises your behind hands. your head. And this big grand moment was supposed to happen. And Feyre, again, being the badass that she is, just like slowly has the wind brush this pebble over like by five feet to where she was standing. So when – or just shifts it over. So Thayer is actually where the pebble was originally. Anthe's off. So she's planning for this big entrance moment. And it ends up being Farah. And like With everyone. Lucian. Well, Lucian is like the first one to drop to her knee. His well, knees no, because to he's honor standing, her, right? He's standing, he's standing next, next to her. To her. Oh. They ended up next to each other in the circle. So then when the sun comes up, it's focusing on them. And because remember, Lucian, you know, has fire in his veins uh-huh. and We're sunlight it just they end up looking like the perfect couple which again is to make tamlin jealous and doesn't he like bend the knee for her or something yeah he first her. out and gets the entire court to bend the knee including tamlin and i think Ianti, who's like what the fuck but also like yeah. i guess i have to do this because everyone's doing it everybody's She's celebrating farah curse breaker yes Ugh. And then she tries to lay claim to this. She's like, well, you know, the sun chose her because I brought her back. It was me. And you're just like, shut up. Sit down. I swear she reminds me of somebody that we know. She does, and I can't put my finger on it. Mm. <laughs> it's not you, Bridget. <laughs> no, it's not me. I think I know who. Text us. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Put it in the chat. So, yes. Sorry, I just wanted to quickly go back. So we also have the <laughs> – Yes. <laughs> um, yep. She put it in the chat and we're like, yep, that's who it is. So we also have the epic return to Valaris and we have the whole friends now. Wait, hold on. So I don't know if you guys have seen the meme, but it's kind of like when you're at the movie theaters and finally something drastic happens and the, the movie theater erupts into like chairs because like, oh my God, it's finally happening. I've seen the meme where people have that, and but it's like when Azrael and Cass like touch down in the ice to come save Farah. Everyone's yes. like, "Yes!" And when they make the show of this, they better make that so epic. But that's the moment I'm I'm living for. I'm living for that moment and the moment where she, um, what's his face, Tamlin is whipping his guard because of the incident. Yeah, and like she backs up into um, Lucian, and everyone turns against Tamlin. Like that, I w- I want to see that moment happen in real life. Yeah, yeah. Like that's some Game of Thrones level mm-hmm. plot points. I need. Yeah, manipulations. I need to see. I need to see it happen. I need to see me see it well done. Any other thoughts on Spring Court takedown before we move on to the return to Valaris? Valaris. Still in the same section, just for we're still in the section, but I always wonder why didn't you just I knew why she couldn't kill Ayante because she needed Ayante to go back and tell the people that like Feyre ran away because Tamlin was being an asshole and chose Hybrid over her and like Lucian went with her, or whatever. But I sometimes I wish she had died then. Uh, she had a part to play. She did, but the bitch just kept came back. She could not learn her fucking lesson. No. 
you know, you have that when you have that in your head. Yes, you can't be bad. You you have to have the last word. So the gang's all together again. Everyone's back together. They're so happy. We got a new friend in the court, little foxy boy Lucian. And everyone's kind of like, you know what I thought was fucked up? At this point, like, I think it took them like three days for them to realize, like, this man's been wearing the same clothes that he came over in. Like, he walked across the county, country, and it took him three days to be like, oh, do you want more clothes? What? It wasn't three days. It was literally like they hooked up. For their like, I'm home, honey, series, and then went to the house and they're like, oh, I should have offered you to change. I'm telling you, I thought this was like a day later. Like, they come back a day later. Like, they they let this man simmer in this clothing. He definitely stayed a- dirty longer than I would have liked. Anywho. So, poor, poor Lucian's there. No one quite knows what to make of him. He doesn't know what to make of him. Elaine doesn't want to see him, and he's basically forbidden from going to see her because she's catatonic, and they don't know what – like, they don't want him spewing yeah. all that mate stuff He also well, has a don't... lot to digest because this is his first time. He's never heard of Alaris. He shows up, and he's thinking he's going to be underneath the mountain where, you know, the worst of the worst is, and but he hears the... children laughing laughter in the streets, and then he has to, like, come to terms of this is what they've been protecting the whole time, and then – he even made a comment to Farah, and he was like, I never realized I was the villain in your story. I was like, that shit. That's deep. That hurts, yeah. though. Because I'm like, you weren't – We're like supposed to be villain. friends. Like, we we were – yes. He thought we were you friends. Were the villain enabler. Yeah. So, to Bridget's point, he has to process that the Court of Nightmares is a farce. And – No, it's real. It's just not all that there is to see. Well, no, that it's that they're faking when they present themselves as the court of nightmares. That's not who they are. They're faking it. It's one of their masks, I guess I should say. Yeah. Because they still have to play that role when they go to their own court of nightmares. So he has to come to terms with that. He also needs to come to terms with Elaine. And he has a role to play, but he doesn't know what it is. He's also left behind his friend. Right. He's got no family. His brother just tried. His brother just tried to kill him. He's got no BFF anymore. He's a lost little boy. His mate doesn't even want to see him. Things, He's a lost hard little boy, him. and he needs to go to Neverland. Yeah. Um. What's with the Lucian hate? I hate Lucian. You're very unsympathetic towards him. I feel for the man, but I still don't excuse his behavior because at the end of the day, he did not choose Feyre, even though he says, "Well, I tried," but he was just trying to do it to keep Tamlin, to keep Feyre there for Tamlin. Mm. You know, he like wasn't I, doing it for Feyre in the end. He was doing it for Tamlin. Right. And that was my beef with them because even though he had that friendship affair, I understand that it was his job to because he's the emissary for the other courts and his job is always like keeping everyone happy and maintained. So he was doing his job, but he was not protecting Feyre as her friend. Yeah, but he was Tamlin's friend first. And honestly, when it comes down to fucking abuse, it does not matter whose friend you were first. It matters the difference between right and wrong. And he, like, that's why I always have, like, a little bit of hate towards him. I do agree that, like, he has a circumstance no one else in the book currently, well, not no one else, a lot of people in Reese's court has where he has no family. He has literally no other friends other than Tamlin. And he's put in a position where he had to choose between the two. He just has a shitty situation. But I I wanted more from him in -hmm. those days. I think mm-hmm. he made some bad choices, but, but then, I think, but I think that he also thought 
that he had time and he could actually make a difference if he was just patient. Mm. I don't think he realized how bad it actually was. Uh, there's two sides to every story, I guess. You know, you see from one light, I see from another light. I think he had more than enough time to try to make it work. But yeah. It's also different when you as the reader know have the backstory this- and you have all the information. Exactly. You- they don't have all the information. Because at the end of the day, why did he actually go follow – Farah. It wasn't because they were friends. He left because he wants to go find his mate. Yeah. So that's the only reason why he's there. It's not because he truly cares that See, much about Farah. He think is still friends with her. Lucian, who came to help her also. He came to help her and he said, Tamlin would never forgive me if I did not help you. Oh, so yeah. So it's always like kind of like... I was back to Tamlin. I'm doing it for Tamlin. Exactly. But I think it... it- you can have multiple motivations for doing things. You can. I just don't think his main motivation was because he was cultivating that friendship with Feyre and looking out for her. I think his first mission and intention was always to look out for Tamlin and himself secondly and keeping Feyre alive and keeping was her complacent in, that, in her prison that was summer spring court was part of his job. And he thought because he was – trying to make her complacent and just make her deal with it and just be happy with what she's given because it's still considered a luxury compared to the the shacks that she grew up in. I have so many thoughts about Tamlin and Lucian, but it just wasn't enough. (laughs) You haven't even gotten to Tamlin too much yet. Well, because for Tamlin, I just write him off as a dumb, immature jock. He was put into a position he never belonged into. He never wanted it. He was not trained properly for it. He was very immature. He obviously thinks with his dick. And (laughs) he just made too many bad decisions. And I understand that trauma is... Um, a leading factor in him because he wasn't able to grow. And of course, it's Farrah's point of view. So someone has to be in the villain in her book. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's Tamlin. But you do see a little bit of growth by the end of the book. And, you know, I guess we're going to see what happens. So I want to talk about Tamlin a little more when we get to how co- High Council. Or, you know what? Fine. We'll just talk about it now. Well, <laughs> well, well just hold talk- on. While they're in Valeris, they basically come to the conclusion that they are going to go to war. So they start preparing. Farah starts training with Azriel so she can use wings and fly. Nesta is training with Amran so they can figure out a way to close the holes in the wall. Because Nesta, everybody knows that Nesta has powers and she has that connection to the cauldron, but her power hasn't actually manifested. During that time, they decide to call a council with all of the High Lords so they can get together and talk. They also go to the night Court of Nightmares and meet with Kier. Morris' dad, and he brings Eris into the situation, and we find out Eris is playing him. Reese brings Eris. Reese brings Eris into the situation, and he's kind of like playing Kier while working, allying. They need Kier's, um, what was it, Darkbringers? The dar- his army, the Darkbringers. His army. The Death Eaters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to fight in the war, and because... Of the treaties between, you know, their ancestors, the Court of Nightmares doesn't need to come to the aid of the High Lord if they don't feel like it. So there's all these court politics going on and they go to Nesta and Farah go to the library to go find more books on closing the wall. And while they're there, they get attacked by two of Highburn's 
soldiers that they no. call the ravens. Okay. I wanted to ask you about this. Uh-huh. Are these like – they just call them the ravens? They weren't yeah. like half bird people? Because no. that's what I originally mm-hmm. thought. I think they just <laughs> They're not the harpies. Term. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Like they're harpies. Yeah, no. I think they just use the term raven as like messengers. Okay. Because also the reason that that happens is because – Elaine has like a trance where she's like, oh, the king is sending ravens, one white and one black. And then these two soldiers pop up. Anyways, in all of this, we end up finding out that Elaine is a little bit of a seer. And she says a lot of random things that they don't understand. But little by little, it's because we realize that she's seeing things. So anyways, the attack on the library happens. Farah meets Briaxis, which is that dark presence down there. She makes I a bargain with it. I talk about Apparently, Cassian, Cassian, Cassian is scared shitless of Briaxis, which is hilarious. I think I posted that story with the scared gerbil or the scared hamster earlier yeah, so this funny. week. And so... But I love that this like, hardened war general goes down there and whatever he sees is so when he was terrifying. A kid. When he was yeah. a kid. And I think it's interesting the way that SJM wrote it and... Like, even the monster whispers to her, like, close your eyes. Because he doesn't want her to see what yeah. he is. And even when Reese is down there, he keeps his eyes closed the entire time he's there. So he doesn't even have full eyes on what this thing is. And so I'm like, are you just, like, sentient shadows? Like, what are you? Briaxis, I think, must be, like, your nightmares brought to life. So maybe it's, like, what's that thing in Harry Potter? The bonnet. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that it turns into like the scariest thing. So maybe it's like something like that. So it, it takes Oof. the form of whatever your worst fear is. So it's different for everybody. Mine would be like a flock of aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Mine. I thought you were about to say the frogs. <laughs> so the girls are getting attacked in the library and with no way out, they decide to run down, and that's where they encounter Braxis. As Farah is making this bargain with this to be able to save herself and her sister, Cassian shows up. He immediately goes to Farah and is like, "You get out of here. I'm going to handle the situation." Reese shows up, and he's no, pissed. Farah makes Cassian take Nesta. No, Nesta is already gone. Nesta escapes, well, got Cassian. Cassian came back, got Farah. Mm-hmm. Reese comes in, makes Cassian take Farah out, and then. Cassian. He kills the ravens. Yes, re- like Reese literally just gets the information he needs and tears them apart. Like he loses control because someone was attacking his mate. And then we kind of get the visual of what happened where when ne- Cassian showed up, Nesta immediately ran to him and like no. got into his I arms. Like the tension like- that was building in this book between them. The first time I read it, I did not so appreciate good. it. I was like, I'm so fucking over them. I don't care about her. I hate her. But the reread, I was like, Leave leave Nesta commentary for Silver Flames. I, there's something special. You knew there's something brewing here. Mm-hmm. You knew it. And they definitely, were just, they oh, were definitely adding a little bit of flavor into the so. Book. The other thing that's happening is Farah goes to the Bone Carver because she wants to recruit him to fight for them in the war. The Bone Carver's like, okay, I will if you bring me the mirror that my s- twin sister Striga Striga. Okay, the, the weaver. weaver used to have the Ouroboros, or as I like to call it, the Asobuku. <laughs> I definitely went with the Aurora Borealis. 
Oro. I just called it Oroboro, I think. It's like O R R O S B O U R S. Ouroboros? If anybody wants to tell us, it's how like to that, pronounce um, it. It was giving very much that, like uh, the mirror from Harry Potter. Yes, in the Sorcerer's yeah. Stone. Yep. The mirror of Erised. Yes. So, anyways, apparently, the also Buko is dangerous because <laughs> if you look into it, it like shows you the most terrifying thing that you can think of, and it drives people crazy. Um, so, Kier has it. Because it's a family heirloom. Of course, because it, it would be a family heirloom. It's all it's like dark, dark, the dark magic, the dark arts. This is all Harry Potter to me. So, anyways, oh, now that you said that, I'm not ever going to be able to picture Kier as um, Malfoy's dad. Damn it, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. Um, so, anyways, while they're talking about the latest hybrid attack, Amron gets word from Varian that the Summer Court is under attack. And by Hybern. And so all of them are like, oh, shit. So then they all decide to winnow over there to help the summer court. Cassian takes a bunch of Illyrians. Reese joins the battle. Azrael joins the battle. Farah and Moore head to the summer palace, summer court palace, to help everybody there. And so basically they're fighting. Reese has a confrontation with what we think is the king of Hybern, but is actually a hologram. A projection? A projection. I I just don't understand how they keep getting... They're supposed to be so smart, and Reese is supposed to be so powerful. How does he keep getting trapped by Hybern in this bullshit? I guess it's... I, I'm assuming that it's just because Hybern is supposed to be really powerful. We don't get into, like, what exactly makes him so powerful, other than he has, like, these book of spells. Mm-hmm. And he has access to the Feybane, which is able to take away, you know, a Fae's magic. And apparently Hybern's just been pissed because he's been sitting on his ass for 500 years. When he lost the war, his people are quote-unquote oppressed, and they're just they're ready to conquer. They haven't done anything for five hundred years except he's practicing all his skills. Yeah. He's been practicing yeah. his his magician his yeah his he's, Jedi mind tricks for five hundred years. Basically. You know, I don't even remember it happened when I reread the book. I don't recall seeing it, but in my head, I thought in this book he talks about how he purposely like withheld supplies from his people to grow the resentment, so they would be ready to come up and attack. I don't think it's that he withheld supplies. I think it's like he didn't go after treaties. He like purposely kept his people oppressed. I feel like that was also in another plot point of a book we read at some point. Yeah. Sounds like the Hunger Games and what the capital was doing with the rest of mm. the So All right, because so let's of talk what happens the attack on oh. Summer Court now that we're there. I know you kind of dove into what was happening and why we're there. We have the the shadow version of Hibern is there. The hologram. The hologram, yes. And I think what's nice to see during this time is Tarquin, who had issued the blood rubies and like assassination like, on site, you're killing these people if my people find you. While he's initially pissed, he does respect that they are the only ones who heard their call. I think that comes out a little bit later during the High Council. They didn't even call for help. Right. uh, They're like, how did you know to find out? Because so, Varian let them in on the thing. Yeah, Varian admits that he was like, I told Amran. But like there's an – I think believe in the way it was written. Like there was like respect when they, like, they finally come back to the room and he looks like pissed and he's in his war armor and it's all bloodied and stuff. And he's just like, get out of here. I – so what I understood was 
what I got from that was it wasn't until he got to the council mm. that he was. Maybe yeah. it's my own inference from reading again that I already know what happened. Today, I-, I thought that he would. He seemed still pretty pissed at them, and almost like he was grateful. But it was like what you just did wasn't enough. Yeah, he was still very bitter about the fact that they pulled one over him and that they basically betrayed him. Um, so one thing I want to talk about also in this section, high importance. The little romance between Varian and Amarin. I just love them. I love them so much. They crack me up. I'm not going to say I love them so much. They crack me up. I love, I think there was at some point in this book, there's something happening. It's and during she's the war. got her necklace on. Oh, and- she's been wearing the necklace oh, like the yeah. entire time. When she's been going through the book. Yes. And, just, and she uses the blood ruby as like, oh, paperweight for her studies when I she's going that. through the book. Like she loves that thing. I just love how she's this big, crazy, all-powerful god has been around for like a millennia basically. And then she's like, you, this man, I choose you. <laughs> I just like really liked it. It's really funny. Obviously, the battle that's raging in the summer court, everyone heads back. Except for Cassian, he goes back to, like, the Illyrian lands to go speak to the families of the people that died in battle. And lo and behold, Nesta is freaking the fuck out. She obviously doesn't say any much, but she's basically like, where is he? Mm -hmm. And she's, like, on pins and needles because he hasn't shown up. I feel like that concludes what happened. Yeah, pretty much it from Summer Court. So then we go to the High Council. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, well, yes. This is getting into High Council then. Yeah. So after the Summer Court happens, they're like, okay, so Hybrid is actually full on attacking us. Now we need to move up the meeting. So they call everyone to move up the meeting and they have to decide on a meeting place while before this happens. Which seemed very complicated. No one wanted to host or everyone wanted to host. No one trusted each other. So after- It was like an episode of Game of Thrones. But before that happens, they Lucian they find out about the queen, the human mortal queen. Because doesn't Lucian go before he heads no, off to I the thought, high? No, because he's with them at the high council. He's not it's after. Yeah, he is. No, he's Lucian. Yeah. No, he's not because the. Oh, that's uh, right. Pharaoh is basically like if only she knew the mother knew that her son was off in the mortal like realm or lands trying to find the queen. Like, so when is it? That when Tamlin sees him, gives him a dirty look. It's at the, the entire end. time. <laughs> I don't know. Tamlin and Lucian aren't reunited until the very end of the book when okay. they get to the battle. Yes, you're right. Tamlin, or as they're preparing to, for the High Council, the most of the gang goes off to the High Council meeting. Lucian takes off and heads over to the mortal things and uh, the mortal lands. To meet with the He's queen. To find, to find Vasa, yes. I don't remember the how they find out that Vasa is turned into the phoenix girl. Well, I think phoenix. they heard like the a rumor bird. of the sixth a queen. I remember in the before, the golden-haired queen had warned them like the sixth one isn't really sick. Really sick. And so Lucian heads out because this is their last ditch effort. If things go south with the high council meeting, maybe at least they can get the mortal queen – Right. To They're just trying to armies. Yeah. Like, yeah. gather all the allies that they could possibly have. So They're just he goes like off on this mission. Throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Because he has literally no other task to complete while in Valaris. And um, Elaine isn't giving him the time of day. 
She gives zero fucks about Lucian. She wants nothing to do with him. She barely does anything. She's finally coming back a little life, but all she cares about is marrying her fiance, which I mean, understandable. Like I get it. But so he goes off on that. They call the high Lord meeting. They show up to the meeting full. They show up to the meeting. Farah tells him, I think it's time we drop the mask. No more playing the twisted high Lord and the inner circle. That's cruel. We're going as the people, the dreamers that we are. So they show up. Everyone's shocked to see him with his wings. They don't really address it, but everyone's like, oh, so is this the real you or is this the fake you? What's going on? But also, Farrakh shows up as High Lady of yeah, the Night Court and not just as the consort. Yes. And this is where you get one of those other classically good scenes. If you had your Cassian and Az smashing down on the ice, this is another. Watch how you talk to my High Lady. Yes, Coming because all of the court show up. Tamlin is the last one to show up. Of course, Tamlin's pissed. He's like, so you didn't want to be high lady in my court, but you, she wasn't, you weren't going to be, you didn't, it wasn't enough for you to be lady of the spring court. Right. You had to, had be, to be high, high lady, lady of the night. Court. Um, he is just a pretty little. He really bitch. was. He, and you know, like if you're, if you don't have the full story and you're hearing this for the full time, you're like, that does paint this situation in a different light. When he was he trying said, to discredit her. Yep. So every turn so much. So when he was like, oh, did you ever notice that little noise she makes before she like orgasms Climaxes, or something? Yeah. Which I was like, and this fucking man, this man. He has a death wish. Go get him, Az. Go get him. Oh. And Az gets pissed. I don't remember what Az, what was happening, but Az was like, be careful how you talk about my high lady. Oh. But- and then TikTok made a sound out of it. Yes. So good. Chillings. But what leads to the fighting is that Eris insults more. more. Yeah. And then Asriel goes after Eris. And I also love that they all have side bets. Like, I really love that everyone had bets in the whole night court, winter court. Council. I don't know why I keep saying All the councils. All the councils, night court, winter court, day, dawn. Um, Who was going to have a fight first. Yes, who was going to fight first? What is it going to be in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and who was going to start it? And I love when Az attacks Eris. Helion is like, oh, see, I won. I had – I had the shadow singer. You know what I really liked about this is that Az was t- attacking him and no one could get through to him except for Feyre. She was like, enough. And so Reese like, sits comes back over and like- lets her do his thing, her thing, and like really shows how powerful she is as a high yes. lady because like yes. her court respects so her. So all she does what? is come over and like lay a hand on him. She's like, enough. And he's like, okay, mom. So what off. happened? What happened though that Feyre ended up attacking Baron? Are you asking or are you about to tell us? No, what I'm asking. I forget. Farrah so attacking Baron. Baron basically is being the little another little bitch and he doesn't want to support and he's trying to say, why should we believe Resand? Why should we believe him when you were warming Amarantha's bed and literally fucking her when the rest of us were trying to do all we can to save our people? We were roughing it underneath the mountain. Our people were dying and you were warming her bread bed. And so Farah starts losing control and he's like, Resan is like down girl like you know he's a cranky old bastard and he's just trying to rile you up and she explodes when like he starts talking graphically about how he was warming her bed when she knows in fact that like that was not the case and she Resan was doing it to kind of protect all these people and she knows it's a very traumatic event in his life and so she explodes all of her power just basically 
and then she attacks him Love with his own power. Court meeting. Oh, so much yeah. tea. The cereal would be like, pinkies up, bitch. Oh, gosh. Another. So we have those juicy bums. And basically the night, the night, I don't know why I keep calling it the night court. The high council, you're not really getting anyone's committing on one way or the other. Yeah. They're kind People, of making progress, but. Tamlin's right. like, I'm for Highburn, so fuck no, off. No, no, Tamlin says, I'm playing Highburn. Oh, yeah. And here's your proof. And he comes with a packet with all of the information yeah. of the details of Highburn's plans. But so they're, they're also skeptical. like. Yeah. And so the problem with the high court, the high, now I, I can't even say it because we've all I've been, been screwing it up this entire time. Sorry. The um, high council meeting. The problem is, is that nobody knows who's the trust. And so we're coming to this meeting trying to figure out who the allies are and who's going to be turning towards hybrid and who's not. So they're all like trying to like tell you what's happening, but also keep back information because you don't know who to trust. So Tamlin is like, you can trust me. I've been playing everybody. Here's my stack of information. They're you like, okay, great. The heart, a little heartbreaking about. He was right. He was like, I am playing them. Here's your information. I'm giving it to you. But because he was such a shithead before, no one believed him. So actually, what I think is the saddest thing is that Tamlin shows up alone. That was sad. And he has no support. And then he has he no entourage. And he's like, I'm doing this myself. Vera. And this is why. This is where I'm gonna get on my soapbox. This is why I believe Tamlin will have. The most gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching redemption arc to come down in a book. But wait, wait, wait. He also tells Farah, I hope you're happy. You've destroyed the spring court. We have nothing. And you've made us that much more susceptible to Highburn. So, Which, like, congratulations. He's, she's, he's not wrong. He's no, not he's wrong. not wrong, but also Farrah you went to Highburn have- first. He went to Highburn first, and he made that deal with him to go capture Farah when she was happy by herself and she told him she told everyone else don't come for me so it like is- you make your bed you fucking lie in it tamlin like don't go blaming other girls because she decided to take revenge and save her yeah but 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 farah took revenge but she also didn't think about what those consequences would be i feel like she and considered it for half a second and then moved on with her life and then yeah. but they did make it it did make them that much more susceptible to highburn she mm-hmm. did make them weaker as a whole she because did. there was no spring. That was the plan. Army. That was yeah, her plan to fuck him over. And it's like if he was a bad person, you'd be like, yes, yeah, she made the right move. But then when you find out he helped her, then he was telling the truth. He helped her escape the camp when they went to go rescue Nesta. You're wait, just wait. like so. I don't, I, don't, I jumped ahead a little yeah, bit. I'm okay. just saying. And it was Elaine, not Nesta. God, I don't so know. Yeah, we obviously have a lot of feelings about this. Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, like, let's talk about okay. Tamlin. So the, the juicy- council. Ends the meeting ends after Baron. Oh, there's you were forgetting attacked. the other juicy tidbit that is disclosed hold on, hold on. during. Council. Yeah, they decide to spend the night. They're going to continue the council into the next day. Yes, okay. no, no. The council meeting is over, and then they decide to spend the night. The next day is just the people who lingered are going to hash out details. Because the actual meeting ends because Hybern gets attacked and he's like, fuck this. Not Hybern. Baron, Baron gets attacked and he's like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm taking my wife and my family and I'm gone. The rest of them stay behind and they decided to – Farah's like, well, I'm fighting this war. The other woman within the courts of the, the other courts stand up and say, I'm with Vivian. you. Vivian. Vivian and – Callius's the winter court. Yes. And Cressida Cr- from Cressida? summer court. So they stand with them and then their counterparts stand up and decide we'll support you as well. So then they go into planning, but the actual high council meeting has 
been finished because people went off their merry ways. They decided to stay the night. Do you want to talk about Helian? Yes. That's when it is. Okay. I wasn't sure what the transition was going to be. Thank you for bringing it home. So, yes. High council meeting's over and you're kind of in the after party is what I'm calling it. Everyone is much more relaxed <laughs> from the tension that has happened. Helion pops on over. Now, if Helion was played by a character, like an actor, who would you pick? I can see him in my head, but I don't know his name. It's Idris Elba for me. That's who it is. Yeah. I was going to say you that. You think so? Too. I think it's Idris. He's a little bit older, but yeah. A little bit older. Yes. A little bit older. But like, because I love but that. hot AF. Like three times, I think I read reference to like his thick thighs, which I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> they those, were. Those muscular thighs, which I just really laughed at. And anyway, so, so that's funny. why, that's, this is my question. This is the question we're going to put on Spotify. We're going to say, who's playing Helion? Because I don't see this fan casting happen very often. And again, my hat's in the ring for Idris Elba. So Helion, Idris Elba comes over to the after party <laughs> to Reese and the gang. And as we find out chatting, he's actually not as like horrible as we thought he right, was in the High Lord meeting. Drops his mask. And it's the same thing. He's like, ah, Reese can be an asshole. So can I. But we're fine. Yeah. Like, it's good to see you, buddy. And they have like a little like jokey, jokey. And there's also jokes that he's been trying to get Cassian, Azriel, and more in bed for like the last 500 years. Not I would a bad read, trio to add to get into bed with. Not a bad trio. I would read that novella in a heartbeat. Like reading that, I was like, oh God, she better do this. Like if this is oh, like Oh, you know a- she wouldn't. No, but you know, if this was the Twisted Sisters, they would do this in like a raising money for the duck pond, you know, like random book things they do. <laughs> duck pond. <laughs> and the foxes. So like what other random <sighs> cause can we get behind? But like, oh God, that'd be great. Okay. I'd have a So we find out that in the previous war that Helian rescued Lucian's mother. Which is Baron's wife. Which is Baron's wife. And he doesn't really outright say it, but Farrah figures out that they had an affair. And lo and behold, Farrah comes to the conclusion that Lucian is Helian's son. Wild. Plot twist. And it makes sense why Baron would hate him so much. It makes sense because Lucian's also described as being like a little bit darker Mm -hmm. than his brothers and his magic is still fire so it's related to the autumn court but there's also something else there right and so his mom's got a little day court spice his mom is very powerful so they're thinking okay well the mom's super powerful she probably got his his firepower probably stems from her and she's not very powerful family so plot twist so anyways they spend the night during the night more and helian hook up and that's the whole thing but also, Nesta is not feeling well. And she goes and she tells Farah, And Farah's kind of like, no, everything's going to be fine. So they reconvene. There's stuff happening. All of a sudden, Nesta has an episode where she's like throwing up in the pool. It's not great. And then all of a sudden, there's like this huge, I don't know, like energy. I feel like I an feel earthquake sort it of It comes thing. off as an earthquake. Or like a sound like, wave. Just like There's like some unleashing. Them. Yeah. Of power, and then they realize that the wall has been taken down by the cauldron, and that Nesta's having that reaction because she's so closely tied to the cauldron. So essentially, war has started, and whoever is still at the meeting is like, okay, you gotta rally your troops, figure out, you know, Callius throws his hat in, Helian throws his hat in, Tarquin's like, I forgive you, assholes. 
he throws his hat into the ring and and then they're also like what about the mortals who's going to protect the mortals yeah and so then they figure out with the papers that tamlin gave them where highburn's gonna go and so they're like okay let's go into battle so Which brings us to the, the war. war the final section that we want to talk about in this book this big behemoth of a book so before the second battle happens don't they go to the human they land? do so they go to the human realm to try to rally the troops and use lord grayson so that's they want- elaine's fiance and they want to convince him to house all the humans to protect them behind their walls because like shit's about to get real and because the wall just came down the wall just came down mm-hmm. and-, and when they get there they run into jurian who's already there Who's already there? And Jurian's like basically like, oh yeah, I've been faking my relationship with Highburn. I've been just trying to get information so I can give it to the humans so they can be prepared. And I think they get Lord Grayson and his father to commit that whatever humans show up, they will have they will protect them to the they best will take of their a, ability. But like they didn't no. want to do anything else. But okay. I think the dad said no, the son said yes, and he's like, We're gonna do what we can. And then oh, they and then went, he said, "I don't want you to take off your ring." Yeah, he did said no. Yeah. He said no to Elaine. And then they spent the next couple hours going from town to town trying to get everyone that to was leave. Before I thought it was before the last battle is when they winnow everyone. To- At some point during the war, they're going to save because war is chaos, much like us trying to recap and remember what has happened at this point in the book after reading six hundred pages of it. So at some point, they do try to protect the human lands. And they try to save the people that are closest to the raw, like Feyre's village, which I think we, we learn later is like decimated or their home is decimated. So ultimately, they made the right call. But they did waste valuable time preparing for the war to make sure the human realm was protected because, mm-hmm. of course, their high ladies was human. High lady and sister-in-laws were, you know, humans. So first battle seems to go pretty well. Second battle was a little bit more treacherous. Right. There was um, more hybrid trickery where they think, I think it was like as the spies tell them, oh, now they're, you know, we're down south by the wall. Now we got to trek up north to Autumn Court's border. Someone's borders. Winter Court's borders. I'm not sure. Someone's borders far from where they are currently. And so um, they're like, oh, if we winnow the whole army up, we can get there in time and surprise them by night. But it turns out it was all another illusion. So their team... They were waiting for them. Yeah, we're waiting for them. So they come up all tired and thinking they got the surprise on them. Now they got the surprise on us. And it's a little bit more of a hard, hard fought battle than they would have liked. And then I believe during that night. Um, during that battle, Farah and Moore are watching. Farah yes. tells Moore, I need to go do something. You go join the battle. Don't worry, I'm going to be fine. So Farah goes off to the middle. To, to find the surreal so that the surreal the can middle. tell her how to win the battle. The, she runs into the surreal. No, she, she t- wants to go to- find the surreal to tell them how do we find Hybrid's army because we know this yes. is not the whole host of it. Like, we need to find them. And so she doesn't even have to set a trap for the surreal. I just surreal. love that the surreal is like, hey, girl, where you been? Looking what you been for doing? Me again. So the surreal actually tells her, you need to. Essentially, you need to tell Amarin that what you're looking for is like on this page and this page. And then the serial is starting to tell Farah when all I'm of a so sudden sad. the serial gets attacked 
by Ash Arrows. Fucking and Ianthe. lo and behold, fucking Ianthe is there with two highburn soldiers. Fuck that bitch. No, we say fuck and that guy. Fuck that bitch. She had tr- she had purposely previously trapped the cereal, given it a cloak that apparently had like a homing spell, so that the next time that Farah spoke to the cereal, they would be able to track her. And so Farah's like fuck. So she runs away. But since they're in the middle, she basically drives them to the weaver's cottage they don't know about the weaver she traps them inside the weaver's cottage and she basically eats melts absorbs their energy of the two hybrid soldiers now, and Yanti. i don't remember if it's before we started recording or right in the beginning bridget when you said i wanted to see her suffer more and i'm with you in this moment i would have wanted to maybe witness the weaver do her art like do her weavings. I wanted to see mm-hmm. the carnage. Yes and no. I I know Farah led her to her death, but I wanted her death to be by Farah's hand. I actually think that Anthe was so terrified, and so I they don't go into details about what exactly the weaver does, but I feel like the weaver sucks away your beauty, and I feel like that would have hurt her so much. So I actually think it was an apropos death. I mean, if you think about it, I guess death from Feyre via the Weaver. Exactly. But you would have so wanted her to see the light go out in her eyes herself. Yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> wanted to Feyre to choke that bitch out and I wanted to see the life leave her eyes. Like an old school high school fight. Like, oh, you're mine. Right. Your ass is mine, bitch. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, maybe maybe the show will Like us- I really wanted her to kill Ayante and just like toss her body to the weaver as a gift like hey girl like I just brought you this body just suck the soul out of it the rem- the essence or and maybe like, she's weave, like mostly weave dead. whatever you weave girl yeah mostly dead but like not or she's mostly yeah. alive not quite dead yet mm-hmm. so the weaver still gets like a fresh fresh snack yeah I'm like is she eating what is she doing I don't know what she's doing with them I feel like she she weaves them I feel like she sucks the life out of them like a dementor. Farah makes her way back to the cereal and they have a really touching moment and the cereal basically tells her leave the world a better place than you found it. Ugh. And let me tell you. Did I expect a terrifying creature whose teeth are like shards and he's just like bones and like basically death. Like basically a dementor. Did I expect to feel something when this person died? No. Did I? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think when the cereal when Pharaoh's kind of realizing, oh, the cereal was a dreamer after all. When she dropped that Ugh. line, I was like distraught. I was like, oh my I God, was, this death really hurt me. This death hurt. I, it's, it is very, nobody does that makes you feel bad for like a terrible thing. So anyways, they get back to you, the battle. Well, More she's there. She's is, crying over cereal and oh, Helion, 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 Helion. finds her and is like, come on, we're going to take you back. And they get back and Morris fucking pissed. Yeah. She's Pissed like, how she dare you? Her. Leave They get me. into a fight. They get into a little petty fight. Now, I just want to say- Cass was hurt. Go ahead. Cass, during the fight, because the battle's over now, Cass was injured during the fight, and I think his really wings badly. were destroyed or no, something. No, he was- He had a really bad gash. Oh, he had like a, a gash through his- Like, like from Az his had a hold his guts to- up. Yeah. Something. And so he was hurt really badly and she felt really bad. She was obviously going through a lot because, you know, her best friend, the cereal, just passed away in her hands because of her. And then Moore's pissed best and she's like, cereal. 
Basically, it is. No, no one else is. was helping her. <laughs> it's just such- <laughs> so then they decide that Nesta's going to do her bone things to try to bone find. Bone scurrying to try and find. Scrying. The cauldron, yeah. whatever. And Nesta's able to do it, but the cauldron also sees her in the process. And so it's it's very scary moment. So they, whatever, they go to bed that night. Farrah's having this terrible nightmare. And when they wake up, Nesta comes over and she's like, Elaine is gone in the middle of the night. And so... Because Farrah and Nesta could feel something happening. Like, yeah. one of them can hear it. The other one feels the power vibrating. And then they're like, what's going on? Is something happening? And then they're like, oh, shit, Elaine. She's yeah. gone. Like calls to like. They like decide- calls to like. That they're going to make their way back. They're going to make their way to the Highburn camp to try to rescue Elaine. And so Farah dresses up as Ianthe, kind of like shapeshifts into her. And Az is just there with like shadows. And so they get into the camp. She runs into Jurian. And Jurian is basically like, realizes right away who it is. And he's like, oh, you have to pretend that you want to seduce me because you've been all over me for like the past two weeks. Again, Ianthe, sexual predator. Mm-hmm. Um, she would have been on the registry. <laughs> Don't let her near so, anyone. Hide your kids, walking, hide your wife. While they're walking to go find Elaine, they come across a children of the blessed who's getting tortured. And so Pharaoh's like, I cannot leave without this person. And she convinces Jurian, you need to bring her to me. Because what they're going to do is they're going to grab Elaine and then run to the edge of the camp, which is a cliff. Because that's where the wards end. And so then they're going to escape. Yes. And on this note, why? Because a lot of effort goes into saving this random child of the blessed who's being tortured but hasn't yet. Everyone else in her group has died. She's still hanging on. I saw a great unhinged theory about who potentially that can be. Yes. We'll talk about this more when we do unhinged theories. Oh, you can't tell me because it's related to that series that Bridget hasn't read yet. I can't tell you. No. Okay. So anyways, I have nothing to do with that. I'm just saving it. I'm saving it. Okay. So I have a whole folder, up. a whole folder of more unhinged theories. So I'm very excited about that episode. So they find Elaine. She's covered in like Fabian bones or whatever. And so they make a distraction. They're running away. Cauldron and Hybern realize that they're escaping. And it's like they're throwing arrows at her. There's like these crazy Naga hounds or whatever that are coming after them. It's pure chaos. We don't think that Fair is going to make it. And then all of a sudden, a golden beast form shows up to fight the Naga hounds. And we know that it's Tamlin. And so Tamlin basically helps Farah escape from Camp Hyburn. Yeah, Hyburn. he takes down the Camp Hyburn. <laughs> Sounds like where Jason comes out of the water. So, you know, it's true, again, because Tamlin told him, I'm playing the other side, and this is where you see him come to defend her and really out himself that he's yeah. like, I came to defend you. He takes down the Naga Hounds. He's realizing Farah's trying to fly. It's not looking good. She's not going to get a good landing. Like everyone's freaking he out. He sends her a, a wind, wind. A wind to, to help, help her, her get up off the ground. Away. So she can glide away. So she can punch a hole through the wards. And then he has this like unnatural, holy Michael Jordan leap through the, the wards, the wards himself, himself. And he winnows away. Winnows away. And Again, like I just, I feel Here, I my was, bones that 
Talon realized he did wrong and he's going to spend the rest of his life making up for it, making up for his wrongdoings. And that was I, the start. Pharaoh would not have gotten out of that camp if it wasn't for Tamlin. I'm not going to deny that Tamlin does not love Farah. He does. You see it. And it hurts because he – that's why I always say that. He's just a dumb jock and immature and didn't know how to handle himself or his court. He didn't know how to handle it originally. And he so, didn't know like, how to handle it originally. He just kept making the wrong decisions, but also that does not excuse his behavior to being like abusive towards people. No, it it doesn't. But like, but I, if he does get a redemption arc, I would, I would love to see it. Well, here's a question: Would you rather have Tamlin as your enemy or as your friend? As my friend, definitely as my friend. And I, when we get into like our little frost and starlight thing, I'm, I would, I'm going to touch on this little part that was in that book. Of what him and Resand and Resand starting to feel a little bad. So, anyways, they get back to the camp. The sisters basically have a moment with each other, which they hardly ever do. And we know that the big battle's coming, and it's not looking good. They know that basically Highburn has backed them up against a wall, but they're going to make a last stand for the humans and Faye. Now, I want to talk about a point you brought up in the recap, Bridget was Reese's speech. Speech. His, like, we're all in this together speech. Well, before the speech, Farah leaves the camp in the middle of the night. So they decided this is their last-ditch effort. They go and they winnow all of the families to safer places. And I all think the they, human families. All the human families to a safer spot. I think it's in Summer Court or something like mm-hmm. that. And then after that, she takes off. It should be her last night with Reese. Before the big battle, she takes off and she goes back well, they're to all exhausted. Yeah, but she realizes. Well, anyhow, she goes to Night Court, the Court of Nightmares, and she goes to find the freaking mirror because she's also like, Bosco, yes, yes. Also Bosco. Also she decides that there's no other. Like this is her last ditch attempt. She has to be able to get this mirror to take it to the Bone Cover because she needs the Bone Cover if they're going to be able to make mm-hmm. anything happen in this war. She goes, she sees herself in the mirror. She sees a beast. She's scared. And then I guess it's a couple hours, a few, like nobody really knows how long she's standing in front of this. But basically the the um, mirror shows you your true self, all the bad and good and everything in between. And a lot of people can't digest that. And so they end up breaking and going insane. But she was able to get through it because she accepted who she was and loved, learned to love herself, all the bad and the good. Right. So what so I she- want to talk about, the, I think that part was written weird, or maybe I just interpreted weird, because it shows her her true self, which shows up as a wolf. Now- I it was like a panther. It was like a beast. I thought it was a wolf. It, it, was it a probably could be a okay. wolf, because she's always referred to herself as a wolf. Anyway, beast-like creature. And then what she then says, she's like, she spent hours crying and shaking and screaming from that. And this is just maybe me, but I'd be like, a wolf? Right on. I see you. Come on, Mira. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I, 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 I think it was written where you weren't supposed to find out until she was saying it after the fact when she was telling Reese, like, everything that she saw. Oh, so there's more that she sees besides just that. I was picturing, yeah. like, she so sees they the just wolf do, like, and she's just like, oh, God, a wolf. They, they so- just show herself as the beast, the beast that's inside her. And then – she has like those couple of hours that she's crying is basically her like coming to terms with who she is. But we don't find out what really comes of it until later in the book where she is explaining to Reese, like I, I didn't go insane. I saw myself and blah, blah, blah. And the bone carver even says it like, I don't actually care for the mirror. I just wanted to see if you were worthy of my time. And she got pissed. Cause she was like, I could have told you that all the time. He goes, no, I needed you to go in the mirror and you just like 
experience that because not everybody lives after witnessing themselves in the mirror because they go insane. And she's like, this motherfucker, I could have just like picked up this thing and brought it to you. The bone carver agrees to help her. So he shows up for the battle. So they get to, she recruits Briaxas, she recruits the bone carver. Reese recruited the weaver. So those death gods and Briaxas show up. They're fighting the battle. It's chaos. The whole purpose of the battle is they're going to do everything they can to distract Highburn. So then Farah, her sisters, and Amran can make their way to the cauldron so they can break ad- the cauldron or diffuse the power of the cauldron, do whatever it is that they're supposed to do. Nullify the cauldron's powers. There we go. Nullify the cauldron's powers. So shit's happening. At one point, Highburn starts actually using the cauldron and he points it at the enemies and it just like destroys things. I think he kills the bone carver first. Real quick though, before we started this war, Reese had his big farewell speech. It was, well, I consider his farewell speech, but he would basically went around and told everybody like, I am this person and I'm this way because I met you and you guys Cheers. are my family. And he went, like he said something about every single person that was standing around him. And I was in tears because I was like, I don't want this to happen. And so he basically is like, if this is the end, I'm glad to be going down with now, you. Now that part, having read this, Read it, reading it the first time, it reminded me of that episode in Game of Thrones where it's like one of the second to last episodes where they the Night Walkers are coming down to attack Winterfell and everyone's like, we're not going to make it out alive, but this is our big last stand. So remember like you as a user are like, oh my God, all my characters, everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to get killed. That was the same emotion in that Game of Thrones episode as it was hearing that speech and them having this farewell, basically, because the, the next day is not promised. And then all shit hits the fan. Yeah. During the battle, Nesta realizes that the cauldron is going to kill a bunch of Illyrians and she starts calling for Cassian. Screaming like going crazy. for Cassian. And so she knows that he's he comes down. And right when he comes down, the cauldron sends this huge beam of light and destroys a bunch of Illyrians. So Cassian would have died. It was crazy. So then what else? So as they're like, so we have our three beasts and they're off trying to fight the war. They're trying to push back hybrid soldiers. And it's getting to the point where everyone is exhausting their powers. And they're like, oh my God, this is it. Like. We're, we're basically doing the most. And then Reese re- realizes that there's ships coming mm-hmm. in because w- they're fighting Hyrule hi- soldiers and then they realize more soldiers are coming and they're getting attacked more and like another fleet of people come and behind that fleet or something is more ships and it turns out to be Draken and Miriam. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Draken shows up and he's like, hey, why didn't you call me? Like, you know, I, I would come fight for you. You're my bestie. Like, why? And he's like, I tried to find you all this time. You you hid so well. So come to find out that as they were traveling over here to help fight in the war, they ran into another set of ships. And on that ships, we had the Prince Lucian, of the pr- and the Prince of Merchants. He's like, actually, they're not our people. They're your people. This guy came and he's coming to help his daughters. He was saying that he did wrong by them and he was coming to save them now. And he named the ships after them. And it's not the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. No, 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 no. It's the Nesta Lucian, the Ale- Nesta Elaine and Farah. So Farah and Nesta look at each other and they're like, oh my God, he's came. This entire time this man has been missing. We don't know where he's been. We don't know what he's doing. He's just been doing business. Turns out that he got wind that the 
queens were going to be treacherous this entire time. So he took it upon himself to go fight and like rally, bring, humans. rally humans. And that's what he did. And he ended up running into Lucian on the way. See, and that part reading it again for the second time made me cry. The realization when Nesta, when she reads the final name on the boat that he's standing on is called the Nesta. The one leading the fleet is yeah. his, like the one it's that he's Nesta. using is Nesta. Ugh. Ugh. So, so much tears. And it's a big redemption arc for him because Nessa has hated him and made it very vocal how much she has hated him for his apathy and his not willingness to get up and fight. So to see him come and make this last stand and then for them to have so very little time with their father during this redemption is is really heartbreaking. Yeah. So at this point, they're like, okay, great. Let's go take down the cauldron, take down Hybrin. They make a plan. The plan does not go well. Amryn, literally, we thought she betrayed Farah. It turned out she... Oh, I thought she did, and I was ready to kill her. Ready oh, to kill her. Oh, me too. So basically, the code that the serial, or whatever, the, the spell that the serial told Amryn that she could find was basically unleashing whatever her real form is and not nullifying the cauldron. So basically, Amryn was unleashed, and she became that all-powerful being that she is, and she... Basically decimated Hybern's armies. What are you? Like, I'm so So, curious. I feel like I ran into a theory, and we're going to have to talk about it in detail. But with the way that Amran expresses what she is, like, I was destroying two cities with my father, Uh uh and father is capitalized in F. Yes, because I I think I noticed that. Like, who is the father? So I ran into this theory. I wish I could give credit to the creator but essentially they say that Aaron's an archangel like a biblical archangel because of the way that she talks about herself and like her backstory and then like i saw this rift you know it's funny because like they say like her name was Aaron, and she's like oh i took it i just like i i came across it and or I th- I it was like a nickname it. or something, and it made me think the way I read it when I came across it, it was like the way she came across his name was that I feel like it's part of her actual real name. And then later in a book, we'll get like a reveal of what she actually is. And it's going to be like some interesting okay. biblical name. Anyway, I think her name is like because Amron's weird. So it's like it's half of a name, is what I feel. Did you guys get like how Farah ended up mind teleporting over to Hybern? Like what caused that? I think I missed that part. It's her connection to the cauldron. So she just like had a full body outer well, experience, outer body experience. When she touched the cauldron, she, I guess she became like part of it, and so she was able to see what the cauldron was like doing. Gotcha. And that whole scene with Cassian and Nesta when the dad died, I was like, oh, oh, they didn't even get to hug. I know. And Cassian is. It, that whole part. My biggest regret was not having time with you. I will see. You I'll see, see you on the like, other side. Yeah, give in yeah. to it and was like, yeah, without saying yes, but she said yes. She kissed him. Yes. She also she kissed him. I know. What was really fucked up was that Highburn was supposedly using the father as a shield, mm-hmm. so like a hostage, and then he just decided to kill him. Just like snap to snap. It was tough. It was tough. Um, yeah, um, and I know we covered that in the. The recap. The recap. But it we was, don't know how to pace ourselves. <laughs> but it was so, because it's so impactful and so important. We have to talk about it twice. Um, okay. And I just want I to quickly a, get our thought. Oh, go ahead. You have another thought? Oh, well, I have a really controversial opinion. Oh, okay. Wait, before about we get to that, before we get to that, can we talk about my reaction the first time I read it? So 
if you guys did not know, Caitlin was the one that told me to read this book and finally get through the book. I read the first one, the second one, and I'm flying through this book and I'm staying up all hours of the night because I had a baby who's going through a sleep regression and I read when Reese died and I flipped shit. Like I threw my phone and then I picked up my phone immediately and I aggressively texted Caitlin. I was like, how fucking dare they make me fall in love with this guy and then kill him and I'm so upset and blah, 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 blah. I wish I could easily dig back through my archives to find this message of outrage. I was so upset and then I was pissed at you because I was like, how dare you make me read a book that's going to make me feel things? I just came for sex. I did not come for (laughs) emotional damage. And then I keep reading it. I was like, oh, okay. Never mind. Retract the statement. Disregard my 10 previous text messages. I was so upset. And I remember being like, I had, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Like, keep reading. I think I just said, like, just, just keep going. Just keep going. Like, from me, I I think you were sleeping because this was like dead in the middle of the night. And then you were like laughing the next day. I was like, oh my God. I swear I'm not crazy. So I think it was a little bit of a cop out that Reese was brought back. The same way that Pharaoh was. Me too. And then I was upset with that because I just like, I thought that was cheap writing. And I feel like Amrit should have stayed dead. Honestly, I would have preferred Tamlin or Reese to come back alive based on something that Tamlin did. Like, I know he gave the last kernel of power, so it was, it was meant to signify a lot. But I wish he was, Reese was saved <laughs> only by Tamlin. No, I feel like that would have given Tamlin too much power. I feel like Amryn should have just died giving her last power to Reese. Oh, yeah. And like, I would have, like, I would have been sad for Varian because they cracked me up in this book. But I feel like the drama would have been that much more enhanced if someone that we, like, quote unquote, cared about didn't make it back. And, like, how much do we actually care about Amryn? I don't know how much I I like her. her. I I don't know how much I like her. I mean, look, out of all the people, if they had to go, I'd pick Amryn. You know, like, if it's Cassian, Moore, Asriel, I'd pick Amryn. I agree in that I think I don't – I'm very happy that Reese did not stay dead. But I – Of course. I didn't understand – how the magic could bring affect Feyre so strongly and have zero basically effect on him coming back. Like he just like was like, Yeah, I died and came back. Here I am. Oh, and they explained it. I have all my powers, not yours. We're good. Right. Yeah, they explained it as like it's different for him because he was, he was already born as a Fae. He was already Fae, so they just kind of like revive, revive. <laughs> reverse, reverse. Yeah, honestly, I thought that was just that was a little bit of a letdown in a very good book. Like, I wish something I else say, would have happened. When he, I thought he was going. Like, I remember reading it and being like, "Uh oh." The second "I love you" tore me apart. I was like, "This, this is how he knows," because he was already spent from using yeah. all of his magic on the battlefield. It was, it was tough, and I think that brings us kind of to the conclusion of this book where. Everyone is back. They're all amazed that they're alive. We're amazed they're all alive. And one piece, relatively speaking. Cassian and Nesta still have this thing that we don't know what's happening there. Asriel's alive. Amryn's back, but not quite herself. But I do love that she still calls someone like boy. Like I love when she's like, girl, watch your tone. Boy, sit down. Like I just I love that sassy side of her where she orders people around. So it was nice to see that sale back. Any other last thoughts on this book? No, just that my 
but has officially fallen asleep. This is a long one. A long one for a long book that had a lot of things to talk about because it's just the book that we love so much. We love so much. It is. And it was a lot. It was a lot to cover. It was a lot to cover. So if you made it through this far, we're really happy for you guys for sticking along with us. We love you so much for sticking around with us. And we want to give a couple shout outs to our friends Rebecca D, Simone, and Emma. Oh, say thanks for sliding into our DMs. Always. We say thanks for sliding into our DMs for for hanging out with you guys, for giving us your thoughts. Speaking of thoughts, we want to shout out to our Spotify users who we now realize that we can ask you questions and then you can answer them. And after our last episode, Hilda had typed in, do do you think Tamlin has a redemption? And um, Jess simply said no. Just no. (laughs) Jess says no. No, and he is not worthy of a redemption arc. I'd love to hear more thoughts on this. I'm, I say he's worthy of a redemption arc. I, the first time I read it, I say no. Second time, I'm like, I, I, I could see this happening. And so, you know, you can always go back and, um, and answer that question and let us know your thoughts. You can slide into our DMs at BookTalkMadeMe underscore pod on Instagram. And of course, we love, love, love and appreciate anyone who can leave us a little love on Apple podcasts or uh, just engaging with us on Spotify because Spotify doesn't have a way for us to communicate, hence sliding into our DMs. So we'll be back, of course, with book four. Um, well, actually, we're skipping book four. Well, yes. I for- I always forget about this little novella. So we're going to cover Frost and Starlight, which is like the in-between book between book three, Wings and Ruin, and then A Quarter Silver Flames. So we're going to briefly touch on that point because there are some things that's nice to know as we move into Silver Flames, but it's not going to get its whole own podcast because we didn't like it. Yeah. You know what? I remember, again, reading this in the pandemic. Because I was like, I felt like I was reconnecting with my friends. I think that's when this one came out. And I was like, oh, my gang's all here. Like, I've missed you guys. I was highly disappointed because I thought after everything that happened, this was going to be a short novella of straight smut. And it was a short novella of Feyre basically painting. And I was like, what the fuck is that? painting and Christmas. Yeah. And I could have used some more. The only thing that was good was... Um, what happened at the solstice party but i'll cover that since i'm covering silver yeah we'll cover that we'll get to it so again if you guys liked what you've heard we appreciate you guys leaving a a rating and review and slide into our dms and let us know what do you think did you like this book not was it your favorite where are we landing on it and with that dear friends and listeners is where we bid you adieu so good night bye-bye and I say goodbye to you. Let's not be fuckamies. Let's just be friends. And on that note, that's that's all we need to know. No fuckamies, just friends. We out. Bye. Bye. Bye.